It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 508 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record where I hold in depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Joining me on Accelerate today is Daniel Rodriguez. He's the VP of Marketing at Seismic. And I'm looking forward to talking with Daniel because I really want to dive into the topic of sales enablement and talk about the role it plays in moving the needle on sales productivity. Favorite topic of mine. So, Daniel Rodriguez, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, let me ask you a question. This is a question I ask more and more of my guests as we start off the interview is, is sort of set the stage here. So, in your mind... What's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? So I think that um, many organizations feel like they have a very current way of getting the message out through marketing's world. And that their website experience is 2017. But that the actual then sales experience, what happens when the sales team gets that lead and then is starting to interact with a customer, whether that's face-to-face or, or, or through another means, that that interaction feels like it's stuck in 1997. Well, how and so? so? It, so, so, give me an example. I, yeah, I, th- I think that there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of sales reps that they say, hey, I'm going to take, uh, you know, I need to have a, an early stage conversation with somebody that someone's telling me this is a, you know, lead I should be talking to. Um, they've identified maybe some pains and then they say, okay, I'm going to go and have an intro meeting with them. And what they do is they then just take that old version of that, of that intro presentation that they have. They might try to muck it up a little bit, give it the old college try. It may or may not be, uh, so old that it's even on brand anymore or on message anymore. It might not actually have any of the relevant information that had been collected in that um, qualification process through both marketing and sa- you know maybe some of the inside sales efforts if you have that kind of setup. And instead, they then go and they they show them something that might really be um, you know something that the organization might think is is really kind of an embarrassment. Like, gosh, we just. We've got all of this information that we know about this customer. We have all of this, these ways of getting somebody the right stuff. And then the way that it's actually executed is, is just, is poor basically. Um, and then you see it kind of play out when, when sales then is underperforming and people are then kind of scratching their heads and saying, you know, how do we then kind of juice up rep productivity, um, that's you know I think that that's a that's a big area that we play in. Okay, so there's yeah a couple points in here then. So one is then you say that that reps are know, disadvantaged perhaps is the word we use is that they are are <laughs> they're using old material and so that they're they're putting themselves at disadvantage. So really, what you're saying is that by grabbing old content that. To me, the issue with that is, yeah, it's off-brand and it's not up-to-date in terms of what the company wants, but the real issue is that they have to go back and repeat themselves with the new stuff at some point. And to me, that's that's a real problem for reps because then suddenly your credibility sinks substantially as, as a rep and as the representative of your organization. If you have to go back and sort of say, well, remember what I presented to you last time? Well, never mind. You know, I've got something new. That's right. 
That's right. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, um, I think that, that reps probably sometimes feel like, Hey, I know that the organization is trying to support me, but it just, it's too difficult for me to kind of access what I need from them. You know, I'm living in a kind of a mobile first world as a sales rep, um, maybe in my personal life, but then in my professional life, they're asking me to jump through hoops of fire to try to get access to the things that I need. And really, I just need it like either on my iPad or on my phone or just like within the applications that I'm currently living, whether that's, you know, I live, you're asking me to live in Salesforce. I'll, I'm living in Salesforce, but then I don't have access to any of the right selling collateral within Salesforce or I, I'm emailing people all the time. I'm living in Outlook. Uh, why can't it, why can't you make the sales material that I need kind of find me in the context of this selling situation. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, those pains that, that salespeople are experiencing, you know, we see kind of manifest, uh, you know, all the time and across different industries. So what's the behavior there though, that the changes for, for reps? Cause I mean, really what you're describing is, is more of a systemic issue as opposed to a, you know, an issue that the reps really can control. So when I was saying, you know, what's the biggest challenge, something they can control, how would you translate what you said into sort of a, a behavior that, that they need to change? Well, so we talk about it has to be easier for a rep to do the right thing than to do the wrong thing. They will always just do kind of what is easiest. So the behavior that changes is not, it, we're not actually asking reps to really do much about changing their behavior. Instead, we think that the way that the organization supports them and then the technology that's used to support them um, conforms to their existing behavior. Really, it's it's really hard to, to make people change what they do. Um, where they go to then get some of the things that they need, that needs to be faster and easier to access than the old version of something on their desktop. All right, well, here's, so here's more of a theoretical question. And... Yeah, we're covering all this before we jump into talking a little bit about seismic. But you're talking about you know hard for hard for reps to change what they do, but that is sort of the fundamental issue in sales, right? I mean, if we look at performance statistics about sales, and you know, people listen to the show all the time, know I bring this up quite a bit, is you know it doesn't get, paint the picture of a healthy profession. You know, close rates, conversion rates are pretty low. Uh, you know, Forrester Research saying you know, close rates dropping sort of year after year and the percentage close rates in B2B and so on. I mean, just sort of, you know, a handful of sort of loose statistics out there sort of don't paint something that's really encouraging. So, and we know that, you know, a large percentage of the sales team in any one organization is sort of middling performance. How do we, how do we change that though? I mean, that's, that's thing you say, it doesn't, they're not changing, but at the same time, they're not really performing the way they should. So, isn't really one of the roles of technology to say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to make it easier for you to make a change to become better. That's right. No, no. And I mean, um, to, I mean, to be clear, one of the things that I've heard from our customers is say, uh, you know, the benefit that you end up getting from a platform like seismic isn't to take the, if you're segmenting out your, your sales reps, kind of a B and C performers, it's not to 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 take your A performers 
and improve what they're doing. They're A performers. They, they, they get it. They understand how to be on message. They understand what is the right stuff that they should be showing. It's really to to take the the B and C players and bump up the average performance of mm-hmm. those players and to really help them. And, you know, a solution like ours actually allows you to say, what are the right selling motions in terms of things that are being shown and things that are being communicated in a selling interaction through the collateral that's being shown? What what are the things that the A players are doing that are high performing for our business? Well, now let's actually put those things directly into the hands of everyone else so that we can then use model behavior uh, to, to then drive improved selling interaction. So let me ask you a question because and this is you know, more general interest on my part, but you know, triggered by what you just said is, is and I, I understand that whole idea of, of we want to try to make the, in fact, I've written about it, you know, that the fastest way to growth is to make your B players and C players more productive as opposed to investing more in your A players. But you know, is, is the way to do that to make your A and B, you'd make your B and C players like the A players? See, because well, what I find what I find is is, and this is I think one of the conundrums we have in sales is that we'd say, look, this is the behavior you want to model, but do it within the context of this process we have. But the thing is the A players really aren't really they're not playing by the same rules as the B and C players. Sometimes, so from a from an overall process perspective, uh, sometimes modeling after the A player is the worst idea possible because um, because yeah they 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 aren't they aren't doing some of the right things with with CRM they're not doing some of the right things with you know the way that they're communicating with their QBRs and stuff and, and so they become prima donnas and a total pain in the butt for the for the organization well, and then well, they get what they want because they've overperformed <laughs> so sure but, but so, maybe part of that and this is an interesting thing I wanted to explore is and, and maybe I didn't necessarily wasn't planning on talking about it with you but I mean we're talking about it here I think it's worth a great topic is is yeah, they're not necessarily conforming to the process, and maybe they're paying the butt, but they're not always prima donnas. What they've found, though, is that they're saying, look, I had a little success doing this, and so if I, which was in this thing was outside the process, but it, it played to what my strengths were as an individual, then if I can do more of that and keep succeeding, you know, there's sort of this open path, and as management, we sort of let them do that. But then we expect the guys and you know, the people on the team who are the Bs and Cs we expect them to be much more conformist with regard to our process. And instead of giving them perhaps more permission to experiment and play like the A players do. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, from the, um, from the enablement perspective, when we think of actually the selling materials that are then being used uh, to, to drive that, that improved performance um, we're looking at, it doesn't matter if you are an A player or B player, we're looking at stage advancement, I think is one of the main metrics of success. So if we're getting stage advancement, uh, which selling materials based on the context of that sales interaction, you know, who we were talking to, what we were supposed to be talking to them about, which materials, you know, and you have to have large data sets to do this, obviously, but which, which materials were actually the ones that were that, that bubble up to the top. And we say, Hey, this is the stuff that's actually, working in this sales stage. This is the stuff that's working 
at the beginning, this is stuff working, uh, you know, when we're when we're trying to close, um, regardless, again, of whether or not that is an A player or a B player, we want to then know what is the highest performing content and then be able to suggest those assets to any of the sellers because we know we, because we know it, it does well. Well, and so let's explore that for a second. So how do you know it does well, right? Because if you look at a, an interaction, right, and maybe they're within a stage, there could be multiple interactions between the account exec or the sales rep and the, and the buyer or multiple you know, entities within the buying organization. And yeah, we, just, we know that at some point during that stage, you know, these three pieces of content were exposed to the buyer. But how do we know whether they were decisive, we just know they took place. You know, this is this is sort of this bigger issue about how we use the data we get from sales. I mean, we can say we can draw some correlation, perhaps, right? But but what do we know what about the real impact is other than the fact that hey, we've got a process we expose the customer at this point to these these pieces of content, and we find that you know we get stage advancement. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, that's a great point. That the. the um, the 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 tightness of that of that correlation coefficient um, becomes a real challenge just because of the large number of moving parts of things that are happening. Um, I mean, we generally like to think of it as it's you know kind of bumper bowling for sales and marketing, where within say that stage and that type of interaction, there are a couple of things that we know are a better idea than others, and that you should use these things because it will be helpful, but to 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 then you know to, to say that you know if you use this piece of collateral as as if that's the only thing that's actually driving stage advancement you know then then you're going to get stage advancement would be naive for us for us to think um, but we are thinking about it as you know hey well sales you know sales you know is, is responsible for bowling the ball uh, rolling the actual ball down the lane and you know is there something that we can do with the help of marketing and setting up the system so that we feel like there are some parameters there are some bumpers that say hey if you show something like this that is off that is going to be a disaster that's a gutter ball type of type of thing that you're showing to somebody. It's the wrong product for the way that this person has come to us. You're showing the wrong case study based on the size of this customer or the geography of this customer or the pains of this customer. You know, you should be showing these things because these are the better performing things. Yeah, and I I, I get that. I think that <laughs> see I think that a more useful metric actually at this point in time for for a lot of reps is to say look this is the bad stuff this is stuff you don't you don't <laughs> well, want you don't to want, you don't you, want to you, show because we can correlate that that's bad right that that one we have greater certainty about about the correlation than on the plus side but yeah, I agree with you 100% as, as I think if you could draw boundaries around content to say, look, yeah, don't touch this. This is hazardous waste. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, there, there's, I think, data from serious decisions that basically says, you know, that that content problem for sales is, um, we're getting a little, little, little feedback there, sorry, um, is, um, you know, half of the problem is actually people can't find what they need. And then of the other half of the problem, it's that uh, half of that, content is not good. So how do you know? How do you know what's the stuff that's unfindable versus the stuff that's not good versus the right stuff? Um, and I think much of the challenge is actually solved with just making sure that sales is not cluttered with the stuff that is not good 
and that marketing knows the difference between what's not findable and what's actually not good. <laughs> well, right. And I think one of the, we talked about behavior change earlier. I think one of the behavior changes that, that has to sort of enter into this is how do you convince sales that it is good? Right? I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, we've got the data and so on. But, you know, one of the problems that in a serious, I don't know, a serious or somebody of that ilk had done the study showing that you know, within the last couple of years saying that, you know, reps are spending, I don't know, somewhere between like 20, 30% of their time modifying content. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, right? Yeah. I mean, so. Yeah, total, wa- total waste of their time. Total waste of their time. But yet there's this this compulsion to want to do that. It's like this lack of trust like somehow well marketing just doesn't really get it right because you know we're out there talking and you know they've got this you know these sets of you know value propositions or whatever and yeah just based on here and that's just not aligned with where the buyer is so how do, how do we and this i mean i think in your service really serve and product really speaks to this i mean there's implicit in what you guys do and then i'll let you talk about what you do is is this idea of of aligning sales and marketing around a message yeah, it is, and you know, and but it's it's good to kind of talk about this in a way at this kind of um, you know kind of philosophical abstraction between like marketing is looking to control this message and make sure that you know there's there's kind of overall message, but then of course there's the targeted message for for that buyer and that interaction. Um, sales is is really in many ways kind of looking for the freedom that 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 they need in order to you know the, and the flexibility they need to mm-hmm. to be able to call the audible at right. at the line of scrimmage um and and so you know we we've tried to build this the, you know the technology that we have to to meet both of those needs where you have to be able to say we need to give marketing the tools to to not only help to create that material in a more scalable, personalized way, but then understand how it's being utilized so that they can get better and kind of facilitate that feedback loop. We also need to have the flexibility and the freedom for sales to be able to say, hey, if I need to modify something and if I need to make changes, allow me to do that in a way that I won't feel like I need to take it out of the system. And so then, because once it's then like kind of out of that loop, then it's then then you kind of lose so much of the benefit of you know understanding you know what's working and what's not working because people then just you know would take it out. So you have to just make everything kind of easier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's really the way you know, the way we've kind of designed it, where where it's not so strict unless unless it needs to be. In which case, you know, there are certain industries where there are certain um you know yeah, regulatory, regulatory requirements yeah. where like it says pharma, right? hey this thing is yeah and we do a lot of work in in some of those regu- regulated industries where it's you've got to have the right disclosure um on the right slide and if you don't you know there's exposure there on from a legal standpoint that's highly problematic right um and so our solution is amazing for that we've got a ton of financial services firms using using our solution to do things like generating pitch books and fun fact sheets and stuff but that's because it's so critically important that there actually is a certain amount of control and lockdown there you know the, the compliance side of that drives 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 a substantial piece of that so don't let my don't let my uh, you know advisors or, or reps you know, uh, make changes, um, because that's not allowed. Um, and so the output from something, while I might say, Hey, the rep can select a few different, 
uh, of our products that we would want to show in this, uh, in, you know, in this pitch book that we're going to create, uh, the output from that is only a PDF. You know, yeah. they're, they're not going to then be able to, to, to change it. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, well, so, well, let's, let's jump into seismic. So we've been talking around the edges. So tell people who aren't familiar with it, tell them what you do. Yeah, I mean, so I guess at a fundamental level, um, you know, seismic is transforming your your message and your and your your sales collateral into a strategic asset for your business. Okay. So, you know, and and what we what we mean by that is that, uh, you know, I think the way that the marketing and sales relationship has evolved has has come a long way over the past twenty five years. Um, you know, you know, I think of, I think of, you know, 25 plus years ago, you know, marketing's role in helping sales was predominantly awareness creation. I kind of, I call this the mad men era where it was all about, it was all about billboards. It's all about eyeballs or impressions. And it was predominantly an outsourced function and very kind of difficult to measure the impact to the business. I think 10 years ago, we saw a, uh, kind of a sea change of the expectation around what marketing is delivering to the organization around uh, around lead generation, and you know that that KPI around now marketing is actually helping to generate leads and hand those over to sales um, became a much larger in-house function. There was a lot more, uh, a lot of different skill sets that were involved on the marketing side, <clears throat> and we then started to see CMOS a bit closer to. Uh, the the pipeline and what was actually happening from a sales perspective. I think where we have come today in the enablement era is the last piece of that connection between sales and then the outs the outside sales team and and marketing's effort, which is that sales is now there's an expectation within the C-suite and there's an expectation that the CMO is going to be much more closely tied to uh, the, the the revenue generation of the business and looking at things like rep sales rep productivity is something that's actually partly on the CMO to help solve. Obviously, it's, you know, the critical metric for for the way that a sales organization is run but that it's but that it's actually there's a more of a linkage than ever before around around um, marketing uh, driving toward that okay so type people through a little bit through the system so and tell people sort of what you do and how it sort of helps move the needle for sales <clears throat> yeah so if we kind of think of um, if we if we think of a sales fr- from the kind of the sales perspective and, and there, again there's both kind of marketing people using seismic and then there's sales people that are using seismic but when we think of what is happening today in certain selling interactions if we kind of go back to the sense of uh, it was you know what the, some of the common pains that salespeople are experiencing when they when we talk to them and they come to us and they say can you please help us figure this out is you know sales is saying I can't find what I need from marketing. It, it might exist. I just can't find what it is. And I am also lacking the ability to have to have kind of current day expectation around a selling interaction. So the way oh, that I meaning meaning what? Meaning I feel like I should be able to interact with somebody um in a much more kind of digital and and mobile world um, as as a sales rep, uh, and instead we still might be stuck on uh, print printouts of things, and I'm I'm kind of again mucking mucking things sure. up that are that are on that are on my desktop. I uh, you know and, and sales leaders look at this and say, 
you know, hey, we need to make sure that we are upper, you know, upping our game from a competitive standpoint. We've got people that are that are in territory. They should be using their iPads to conduct sales meetings. They should be using uh, using you know kind of screen sharing you know for for real time interaction, and that they should be able to very quickly have a follow up piece of collateral that would be hyper tailored to solving that person's needs rather than, you know, the, what can currently happen is, you know, give it a couple weeks, I'll get back to you. That mm-hmm. whole, give it a couple weeks, I'll get back to you. And then you got to go back and try to find a way to pull some stuff together. And whether that's an ROI model or the right case studies, that stuff should happen real time, basically. And sure, if it can, absolutely. and if it can, and when it does, that can shorten sales cycles. And absolutely. that can also be its own competitive differentiator in that process. Mm-hmm. So that's what, those are, th- those are the things that then happen with Seismic. Those are the things that we then help to facilitate using, using our technology well, on, so, the, on the sales side. Yeah. So I mean, give us an example, because you, you alluded to it with, you know, the mobile connectivity and, and so, you know, walk through, let's say a rep, has a presentation to give to or wants to give a presentation to a prospect. So what's that look like for them? Yeah. So, so with seismic that rep would say, um, you know, Hey, I got to make sure that I have, uh, the, the right version of, of this, um, of this say, say it's an introduction, um, selling presentation that they're going to do. Um, and so you want that to be the right version and then you want to be able to go into that presentation and, and, and really nail it. So building the right version of that, can be its own time suck. We talked about sales reps spending an, in, an sure. inordinate amount of their time um, finding and then creating that selling material. So instead, they would just be able to use Seismic and they'd say, okay, um, they would they would open up. Uh, so, so they'd be doing this then on their way to a meeting or maybe maybe it's just kind of right, right before the meeting yeah. um, would be starting. Hopefully while not driving. Yes, but go ahead. Not, not while driving. Right. You know, you're, you're, uh, yeah, you're, you're, in your, uh, you're in your taxi, you're in your Lyft and, and you could do this. Um, and so you're on your iPad and then you'd say, you see, you'd open up the, the seismic app. Um, and then you would, you would go in there and it would say, you know, you'd, you'd find the, the piece of selling material. So that's that intro presentation. So it'd be available kind of right when you open up seismic, it would say intro presentation, cause that's something you frequently use. And then you'd open up the intro presentation instead of, and again, this is an example of sure. the dynamic content generation capabilities that Seismic has that we call our live docs technology. But but the material that's in Seismic can also be videos, PDFs, kind of all of the selling collateral that you would use. But here's right. this is kind of the full view of 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 what um, of what people are then using Seismic for. Um, they would be able to say, I'm going to open up this presentation. And when I open it up, it actually will walk me through as a sales rep, this wizard like experience of being able to make certain selections about who I'm going to be talking to. Now, I, as a sales rep, I have a CRM, say I'm using Salesforce, which is mm-hmm. a popular, uh, a popular integration that, that, that we have with about 80% of our customers. Sure. Um, so it already knows. So then I, so then I go in, I say, I'm doing this intro presentation. And then it says, you know, who are you going to be talking to? It gives me a drop down of some of my accounts. I would then select that because it knows that from CRM and then it pulls in a bunch of relevant information from CRM. 
but kind of behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So I'm not making any selections anymore. Some of that information from CRM, by the way, also may have been fed in from our marketing automation solution and right. and the way that that lead was generated and information we know about it was then probably housed in CRM. So that information then all gets into the sales presentation. And what is some of that information? Like for instance, who we're talking to and then the context of, of, of what we're saying to them is now what we want to build around this presentation. So what we see some of our customers do is um, the, the relevant case study that you would then want to show to that, to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be very uh, that that can vary based on certain criteria about that customer, like the product that they were interested in, if you sell multiple different products, or the size of the company that they are, because maybe the way that you solve that problem is different for different sizes of companies. Um, and you know maybe the um, the geography and maybe even the buyer persona that you are, you know, who you're actually talking to, you would then want to give them a different version of that version of that case study that t- kind of talks to their pain. And then you would also want to make sure. Um, so so case studies, you know, that's a big thing that can that can vary in an, in an intro presentation. Um, some of the messaging that you're giving, right? Like the pains that we solve as a company mm-hmm. um, might vary based on again who your audience is. So being able to then just as a rep just to be able to make a couple of selections saying, oh yeah, this account, this is the person I'm talking to. This is their, you know, their role might already be known in our CRM so that it's already there. And then we just, and then I just say, so can you you know, build me the presentation? And then Seismic takes about five seconds and builds that presentation. And then you have it, you have it, you have it right there. You're ready to go. Um, you have that on your iPad. You can, you can, Make sure that that has offline access mm-hmm. um, if you needed to, so that you know maybe the Wi-Fi in the building isn't good. Um, so, so it sounds like what you're doing is is actually, let's say, like a, a PowerPoint presentation. You're actually tagging it to the the slide level. Oh yeah, we're do, I mean we're we're breaking it down from even more than just at the slide level. There's there's individual pieces that 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 are then built on that slide. That's that's just the live doc functionality. I mean the you know, the, the there's a there's a handful of things that actually a sales rep needs in order to make sure they you know they're kind of like quote unquote enabled. You know, you have to make sure that a sales rep has been properly communicated to, so kind of educated about uh, what is the latest information that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got great features and capabilities um, that kind of replace that stale sales newsletter or those, you know, multiple emails that are getting fired around from different parts of the organization, trying to let sales reps know, Hey, here's some interesting competitor info that's happening. Here's some event related information that may or may not be relevant. Of like flipboard for sales, like experience happen, um, with, with a, with a product capability that we have. And again, it's single platform, kind of everybody gets all the stuff. So there's a bunch of different features, but seismic is one thing. It is one product. Um, and then, and then yes, you can then use seismic to then, um, hyper-personalize, um, and, and create that material as a, as a salesperson, you can then also use seismic to, to track the engagement with that, with that piece of selling material. So in the follow-up to our presentation that I just gave, maybe I just gave it to you. Um, I walked in and, and totally blew you away because I gave you this hyper-personalized selling material. And then you said, 
And then you said, that's great. Um, would you be able to send me a, a couple of other things that, that I would find interesting? Um, and I'd, and I'd say, sure. So I'd be walking out of that meeting. I'd send you, I'd find those couple of additional assets really quickly. That would be easy again to find. I would send them along to you, but I wouldn't just email them to you as just a plain old attachment. I would live send them to you, which is the ability to, uh, for me as a sales rep, and then you could also roll this up to the larger organization mm -hmm. can then see on my side, how is, how is that material being interacted with? Sure. So, so that, and that is profoundly impactful for a salesperson. So salespeople love this capability and they love it because they get notified right away when you open that thing and then they get to see how much time you spent on each individual page of what right. I sent you. Right. And yeah, so I pick up the phone as a sales rep and I say, hey, sure. this might sound a little bit creepy, but I know you're just looking at this stuff. And then you might say, wow, that is creepy, but also this is super helpful because I'm now engaged with you and your materials and the fact that you just called me up and said, I saw that you didn't get to slide six, but in, on slide six, we kind of had some of our follow-up material. Uh, is there something I can kind of dive into a little more deeply with that? You know, and now we're having a, a really productive sales conversation. What right. we eliminate there is the very annoying salesperson follow-up. Hey, just, just checking, checking in. in. Yeah. Just checking in. Oh my God. If I had a freaking nickel for every time somebody well, was like sending the just checking in email, it's worthless. Yeah. No, you're just you're singing from my playbook. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's well, we're what... passionate about this stuff. We I mean, there's now, you know, upwards of a hundred thousand salespeople you know, in the world that are actually using seismic to sell. Um, and so we hear a lot from them. You know, th those are yeah. the things that they say to us. Yeah, no, that's, that's good stuff. All right. I, unfortunately we have to sort of cut it, cut it short. Um, but we'll have you back. We'll continue the conversation. This has been fun. So, uh, tell people how they can find out more about seismic and how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, sure. So Seismic, a uh, ton of information about us is available on our website. So that's um, seismic.com. It's just how uh, just how you normally spell it. We're we're shaking the earth. Um, and um, earthquake, sales earthquake. Okay. Sales, yeah, sales. We're we're shaking up the way that sales and marketing teams uh, work together. Um, so and and if people want to uh, get in touch with me, um, I'm, I'm I'm more than happy to uh, more than happy to follow up with anybody. My uh, probably the best way to do that is to just email me. So my email is drodriguez. That's d r o d r i g u e z at seismic.com. And I'm also available on Twitter at dlr daniel. Got it. All right. Well, Daniel Rodriguez, thank you very much for being on the show. Great conversation. Like I said, we'll have you back on again. And friends, thank you for spending this time with me today. Remember, come back, join me again tomorrow. Actually, every day of the week, we've got something for you here on Accelerate. Until then, appreciate if you take a second, go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a review for this, uh, this podcast. Really appreciate that. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>